Sowing in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 1030 a.m. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. Soaring in Health and Wellness is also brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineercairo.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswayministries.org and select Patron Page in the top menu bar. Hello, and thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Stephen Wells. Dr. Wells is a chiropractic physician with a passion to help individuals reach new levels in health and wellness. Dr. Wells has been involved in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. Dr. Wells received his Bachelor of Science degree from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with an emphasis in health and exercise science. He received his second Bachelor of Science degree in general sciences, along with his Doctor of Chiropractic degree, with honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Soaring in Health and Wellness is a tool to help educate individuals reach new levels in health and wellness and a passion to live with a sense of purpose and vitality. Dr. Wells and his guests, ranging from doctors of all areas of health care to educators, nurses, personal trainers, counselors, and pastors, will discuss and inform you on how to improve in all dimensions of wellness from a biblical worldview perspective with one goal in mind, seeing you soar towards optimal health and wellness. If you're ready, let's get started with today's program with your host, Dr. Steve Wells. Good afternoon and welcome to Soaring in Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Stephen Givens and Michael Moore. They are professional counselors from the Counseling Wellness Center. They're also co-owners of the Counseling Wellness Center from Parkersburg, West Virginia and Belperry, Ohio. So welcome, Michael and Stephen. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thanks. Yeah, really appreciate being here. Okay. Uh, Michael, we'll start with you as far as if you can let our listeners know pretty much, you know, a little bit about more about yourself, maybe a little bit of family, your, your education, Okay. And, and your re- basically what you do there at the Counseling Wellness Center. That'd Absolutely. be great. Um, I um, um, went to school, uh, started at Marshall University and worked on a biology, biology degree there. Um, and then went to, um, uh, to Ohio Valley uh, College. It's now Ohio Valley University in Parkersburg. And uh, graduated with a degree in Bible. And then um, uh, started preaching and preached uh, and have preached uh, ever since that time, since 2004. And for the last 20 years, I've preached at the Hickory Hills Church of Christ in Tupper's Plains, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, went back to school and got my master's degree at Ohio University in counseling and, um, and started uh, counseling uh, at that time. I've got three children. Uh, one of them uh, is uh, recently became a doctor, so now I have to call my son Dr. Zach, uh, so that's a that's new. But he uh, he now moved to uh, down into Texas. He's my oldest, and then I have two daughters. And my middle daughter, um, she just recently got married. So we've oh congratulations! Yes, thank you so much. I've now got a son-in-law, and that's a new experience. He's great. <laughs> I love him. Uh, and then my youngest, Kate, and she is uh, she is up in Athens area. So, but all my kids are grown and gone, and so. I work at the Counseling Wellness Center, um, and right now, mostly doing some counseling there and administration. Um, I work also at the Washington County Juvenile Center, mm-hmm. and I work uh, as their family counselor as well as their anger management group, and I've worked there for the last 12 years. Wow. I am busy. Um, I work also at Ewing School for the Developmental, Developmentally Disabled. I'm their behavior specialist. Mm-hmm. So I do all the behavior plans for kids that have specific needs there. And then I'm contracted also with uh, all of the schools in Washington County um, as a behavior specialist. All right. And so when you're not doing all that, you're just a dad, right? Absolutely. Yes, right. It's a good thing they're out of the house. Cause yeah. <laughs> anyway, Steve? Uh, yep. So... Um, Education. So I uh, did my undergrad at Ohio Valley College mm-hmm. University. I was in the transition uh, point there from college <laughs> to university. university there. So, and uh, I double majored. I majored in uh, uh, psychology, the professional route, and also um, secondary education mm-hmm. uh, background. 
Uh, from there, I went on to uh, Marshall University, uh, following Mike's footsteps there, you know, and uh, uh, and did my um, graduate level master's for um, uh, my counseling degree in mental health, and my emphasis is in family systems, and I also do with addictions as well, and. Um, I uh, am also in current pursuit for my doctorate online wow. to go to uh, Capella, and I do mine in uh, psychology uh, there, and uh, hoping to finish that up real soon here. Wow, so, congratulations. So, yes. you got one that's also got a full plate of all this responsibility. Uh, and Not enough hours in a day, <laughs> that's for sure. Yep. Well, yep. I tell you what, I sincerely appreciate you all coming on and being a, a guest and um, helping people going through this process of change. Uh, this is actually the third week that I've actually been speaking on uh, improving our lifestyle behaviors as far as changing our habits. And the first was with uh, Pastor Jim Hodges. And then also last week, uh, we were going through the pretty much the stages of behavior change or the trans theoretical model type deal. But it's basically set up at different stages. And last week, uh, we had talked about as far as the pre-contemplation stage, uh, which is basically awareness. So for our listeners who have not listened to that podcast yet, if you all can kind of talk a little bit about the pre-contemplation stage and kind of give your insight and input on that, that'd be great. So the pre-contemplation stage uh, is basically, um, it is a is a place where people are, are not ready for change, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I also like to kind of uh, uh, go aside with this, and there's another model there that we use. It's uh, from Virginia Satir. She's a big family therapist mm-hmm. there, and, and she calls it the status quo, you know, where we just kind of are doing the same old thing, going through that process, and there's not even the thought necessarily there that something needs to change. And um, in that, um, on the addiction side, because a lot of this model here tends to go with addiction, that pre-contemplation stage is a very hard part because there's a lot of things like um, uh, consequences that a lot of, uh, can come up a lot of those um, until we can come to an event that really kind of brings forth that light bulb effect here that something's got to change mm-hmm. here I tell you Mike I know we talked earlier before the mm-hmm. uh, programs like that and we were talking about Procasca and yeah. De Clemente yes can you kind of explain what we were talking about to the listeners as far as how the stages actually came about yeah we really came back uh, about because Prochesca and De Clemente were studying um, the cessation of smoking um, and uh, it was back in the 80s and they and they were going through and they were trying to see why some people were not succeeding and they were trying um, and some people they would start these programs and they would see and they started to notice that people started to demonstrate very uh, unique patterns of behavior. Some people would come in um, and based on uh, their readiness to change is what they started to recognize. That had a lot to do with their success in the program. And so by watching people go through a smoking cessation program, they started to realize that some people um, took to the program like a, like a duck to water. Mm-hmm. They just took it and ran with it, and they started to realize it wasn't just a person-to-person. It was where that person was. So out of that, there really became this study of that all of us exist on a continuum of change, somewhere between I don't need to change anything and all the way to something has got to change in my life. Right. Uh, and all of us find ourselves there at different times. And um, it's just a matter of it's not a it's not a good or a bad thing. It comes down to um, rather than good or bad, it comes down to where am I? Um, and I think in the past, the pre-contemplation stage, a lot of our theories and counseling, they really put a negative spin on pre-contemplation stage. They would see people come into therapy or people maybe were referred to therapy by the courts and they would say, oh, these people are resistant. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people don't want to change these. And they talked about it as if it was a negative thing. And rather than seeing that, hey, these people have just not gotten to the point to where they are able to change. And we are responsible, I think, for all of us of knowing um, what it takes to get from I don't need to change to a place that says um, I think I might need to change. And definitely on top of that, Mike, what you're, as you're saying that, that really brought to my mind, 
you know, when it comes to change, I saw it on a fortune cookie once and it said, mm-hmm. everybody wants progress. Nobody wants change. Mm-hmm. Change is hard, yeah. isn't it? See, I tell you, you know, any change is, is, is difficult, but when you're changing bad behaviors, that is so difficult. Yeah. And that's why I, you know, I, I kind of explained to my listeners and kind of built this up that this is probably the most important series mm-hmm. of the health and wellness podcast that you will ever hear. Because again, right. it all starts with changing our bad lifestyle behaviors right. and our lifestyle behaviors make up 53% of our health and disease is basically lifestyle Absolutely. and so forth. So, yeah, so and true. I, that's why we brought the big guns in, but those who um, <laughs> didn't notice my cell phone went off and these guys are focused, focused, focused <laughs> because they didn't skip a beat. <laughs> so anyway, that's totally awesome. But anyway, so is there any more that you want to add to the pre-contemplation stage as far as we had talked about last week as far as, you know, as far as when people get their education, you know, don't always believe what you hear, don't always mm-hmm. believe what you see, don't always believe what you see on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, I have patients and I have had relatives, if they feel like something's going on, that's the first place they go to is the internet. Yep. And they self-diagnose, and all of a sudden, they increase their anxiety. Dr. Google. Dr. Yes. Google. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's what we like to call them. Yeah. There. That's, yeah. that's pretty much yeah. it. But is there, is there a, you know, when someone's in this pre-contemplation stage, is there a time pattern? Is there a time pretty much? Is it no? No. And here's why. Because there are so many extenuating factors. It, it Part of it is that the person who's in pre-contemplative stage they don't see the need for change. Mm-hmm. And that's because nothing in their life has happened in order to cause them to say, hey, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. It means that even though that their lifestyle may be unhealthy, may, they may be doing something that's hurting themselves and the people around them, but they don't experience that yet. Mm-hmm. And there are several things that can keep people in a pre-contemplative stage longer and this is where I want to I want to talk to uh, and whoever's maybe listening. Maybe somebody in your life, you're thinking, boy, I wish they would change because mm-hmm. what they're doing is you know is, is hurting themselves and they're and they're hurting their family. Uh, the reality is is that so many families, because they love the person who needs to change, they want to help them, and unfortunately, that can sometimes cause them to stay in the pre-contemplative stage so much longer Mm -hmm. because they want to do things like they bail them out uh, they loan them money uh, they they go and they they pay their rent for them they uh, and so therefore they're doing it to say oh i want to make sure that they succeed but in reality they're saving them from the consequences i know last um Last week you talked with, uh, and the, the prodigal son came up mm-hmm. uh, in Luke chapter 15 about the how the father uh, allowed his son to go out, uh, and his son took his inheritance and went out in riotous living, and 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 then the thing that's so important about this is the father. He he realized the son was making this decision. He didn't agree with it. He couldn't agree with it, but he he knew that it was his decision, and the father waited. He did not go to the pig pen. And pull him out when he found himself and when the son was stuck in the, in the mud and, and feeding swine and had spent all of his inheritance and was in bad shape. The father did not go and pay his rent. He didn't loan him $150. He didn't fix his car for him. He waited. He waited for that son to come to some sort of change. So he helped him by loving him so much. He allowed him to go through the pre-contemplative stage right. and, wow. and experience that pain. And I want your listeners to know, don't, don't hinder. Don't hinder the people in your life that need to make changes by keeping them in the pre-contemplative stage. Well, that's, that's, well, that's a great point. And on top of that there, I'm going to, I'm going to shift those also to different, maybe a target population here with our Mm -hmm. listeners as well. Uh, Looking at specifically with addictions, because when you're talking about addictions, you're talking about even more seriousness Mm -hmm. there. When a person, they found, um, there are, there are three different, uh, uh, there are three different types of, 
um, populations here when it comes to using with those. There's a very small population. They barely exist, but they do. We call them non-users. And non-users means that I've never touched a drink of alcohol, mm -hmm. never smoked anything. I never even got prescription from a doctor in there, you know? Right. They're very small, but they're out there with those. Then you have a, another population that a lot of us tend to fall in. That's the user. You know, we, we had a drink or you've had smoke or you even got prescription from your doctor with those. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other population where you have, it's called the abuser. And that's where we abuse. So if you've ever had a hangover or, you know, or you took more medicine than what you were supposed to or got it from somewhere, you're abusing a medication mm -hmm. that was not meant for that. And then there's that very fine line to where we cross over into that addiction realm. Let me tell you the seriousness about this. They found out that research has told us that when a, uh, a likelihood, if you... Um, in 2006, they found out that one out of every 10 people will cross over that line to addiction. And in 2008, they went, it dropped down to one out of every eight. In 2012, it jumped down to one out of every six people jump over to that addiction line with those. And when you jump over to that addiction uh, line, everything starts going downhill. They start losing relationships. They start losing money. They start losing their freedom. And, say, and if they keep on going, they, they'll lose their life with that. And when you're looking at that, they found that whenever a person crosses over there, one out of every three will survive. Wow. One out of every three. And so, and why do I say this? So when we go back to this pre-contemplation, and I want to know the seriousness of this, is that when as a parent or as a spouse or a friend, when you interact and you're enabling, I, I saw it once. I was at a an addiction conference, and this woman, she was a motivational speaker. She was a, um, a recovering addict that she had gone for years there. And she said six words to me, Stephen, six mm -hmm. words that I, I thought, boy, these are the most powerful things I've ever heard. And I want every person who's even in that enabling uh relationship to hear this. She said this, she says, you can love somebody to death. Wow. Man, mm -hmm. that's pretty powerful. Yeah. 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 You can love somebody to death. And I want you to know, especially because definitely when someone's at not even in that um, pre-contemplation to get them to the next stage of even that contemplation, they have to be able to have to have some of those consequences get to be able good or bad they they've got to go through those things to be able to recognize that something has to change and if we we prevent that from happening change just doesn't happen well i tell you you know being a parent and as we all are parents like that that is so hard mm -hmm. yeah you know i tell you what i'm i'm more or less the preventive yeah you know if i can prevent my kids from making a mistake you know yeah you know i tell you right. what right. like you said you can love them you know, you can love them to death type deal, but like that. But, you know, a lot of times life's our best, you know, best teacher and so forth. So and right. what you're basically just kind of line, the parents kind of take a little bit of little bit of control out and kind of let right. them kind of go through those for yeah. them to be able to go through those changes like Absolutely. that. Well, and and one of the hard parts, if I can just jump in there, yeah. you know, one of the hardest parts about that when they were, I heard it once there as well is, what it comes down to in that pre-contemplation stage, when it comes to an enabler and helping, even no matter what the change, what you're going to run into is either someone's going to be upset. Mm -hmm. It's either going to be you or it's going to be them because it's a growing up process mm -hmm. to have mm -hmm. to be able to get to that change. If I, if I enable where I'm preventing something, they're happy. You know, they, they're happy that, hey, I didn't have the consequence or I didn't have to, I got that $150 or mm -hmm. I got that guy. But I'm upset because I, I, I feel like how much more can I do to make you better? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sacrificing. Mm -hmm. Or if I say, no, I'm not going to give you those things, they're going to be upset because th there's, there's a lot of that, like you said, life experience mm -hmm. to have to, to be able wow. to learn. I tell this. you what. You know, as far as, and I forgot to mention, as far as where I kind of get a lot of my sources, and, and you're, um, not only with Michael and Stephen, but me personally, I get it from pretty much from the, uh, the book called Health the Basic by Rebecca Donatelli. She's the light that I use my resources from. And so as far as once the pre-contemplative stage mm -hmm. is finished, right. stage two would be, I guess, the contemplate stage. Absolutely. So I guess is this is where we examine our current health habits. So, um, and basically, it's, it's, you know, she looks at as far as do you routinely eat too much when you're feeling stressed, party too much on the weekends, go to bed too late. Um, she notes basically when concerning behavior might want to change, ask yourself the following. And she says basically the following is, is this something new or has it been going on for a while? 
how serious are the consequences of the habit or pattern in the short term than long term? Why do you think you do it even though you know there are healthier alternatives? What kinds of situations trigger the behavior? Are the other people involved in this behavior? And if so, in what way? And do you want to change the behavior? Why or why not? Mm. So um, your input on those questions that she's asking, is that something yeah. that you find true in that area? For oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, what she is touching on is something that we use in, uh, in the counseling field uh, that we refer to as motivational interviewing. Motivational interviewing is wonderful for taking people who are not thinking about change, who are maybe blaming the, the problems they're having on their life on other people, and they have more of an external locus of control, which just means that what's happening me, mm -hmm. to me is because of what's going on, what they're doing to me, or because what life is doing, or because what, you know, it's always something outside themselves is causing their, their discomfort or pain. And motivational interviewing starts to ask them a question such as, if this weren't happening, what, what would your life be like? You know, if, if, this, if this thing wasn't in your life or this, this issue wasn't in your life, what would your life be like in the future? Um, uh, and those are the times that you're starting to help just plant the seed of contemplation mm -hmm. to say, let's just think about this. You know, this is one of those things where I, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, you know, I uh, my my doctor will always always tell me, you know, Mike, you need to exercise. You know, you need to exercise. You need to do these stretches. You need to, you know, you need to build up, uh, you know, uh, your muscles. You know, as you're getting older, you need to keep up with that. And and I always kind of would always say to him, Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I was nodding my head, but I'm telling you, I was in the pre-contemplative stage. <laughs> I thought of all the things, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to stretch. I don't have time to, and then, and then what would happen is, is that my, my, uh, my back went out. And then when my back went out, it was, the pain was just d debilitating, you know, and, and I was just doubled over. And, and so, so I go to the, the chiropractor, he, he works on me. And then he says this to me, Mike, you really need to strengthen those muscles in your back. Mm -hmm. You really need to, to stretch and you need to get that because you're, this is going to keep happening. As I'm sitting there in pain, all of a sudden I'm contemplating, you know what? Maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to start exercising. You know, now I, that doctor told me that before and I just politely nodded and shook my head and said, yep, doc, sure. Now he's telling me, and I'm saying, you know what? I think he's on to something. What's the difference? Well, the difference is something is starting to move me in that direction, and that was that pain. Yeah. Bringing that over here to also, you know, looking at, um, you know, say tears model here you know she this is in her second time whenever someone hits that status quo and they hit that event that really says okay something's got to change then they start going down to this valley and mm -hmm. down this valley she calls it chaos and when this chaos it is like a whirlwind it is back and forth maybe i should maybe, you know you might as well take one of those daisies me he loves me loves me not there yeah. you know we keep going back and forth trying to figure mm -hmm. out what in the world you know do i really want to do this because what they have to be able to say is what's the commitment it's really truly going to take because what you're asking me to do it's a lifestyle change here you know you're talking about a new behavior a new way of me thinking here and and doing that, it calls for commitment. And mm -hmm. so her second stage, she calls it articulation. Mm -hmm. we got to talk about it. Mm -hmm. we got to be able to start thinking about here. And it really does. It comes up, really, it rubs up against those consequences, just like Mike's talking here. You know, when he had that pain, I'm thinking about it a little bit more, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. the consequences. It's right there with yeah. me, you know, yes. versus before. He wasn't thinking at all. Where are you, Mike? Not at all. That's right. <laughs> I tell you, she also kind of mentioned some things as far as um, – Predisposing factors. Yes. She had mentioned, uh, she gave an example as far as uh, if your parents smoke, you're 90% more likely to start smoking than yeah. someone whose parents don't smoke. So you all talked about enabling factors, which we talked right. a little bit earlier right. and so forth. Yes. And for example, if your peers smoke, you're 80% more likely to smoke. So identifying the factors that may encourage or discourage that habit you're exploring is part of that contemplating behavior change. Yeah. And so forth. And also she talked about reinforcing like that factors that can also contribute to your current habits. 
Absolutely. Uh, talks about the family and friends and so forth. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Those 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 other factors, they all come into because really when you think about contemplation and people are saying, what are we contemplating? Really, what we're contemplating are the pros and the cons of mm-hmm. change. I'm, I'm now looking and saying, all right, if I changed, what would get better in my life? What are the benefits of me changing? And then as, as what Stephen was saying, what, what are the cons of me changing? What's it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. How hard is it going to be? What are my friends going to think if I, if I stop? Or even on top of that there, what's it costing me right now? You yes. know, even going right. back there, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy eating with pigs, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. it's not until we get down to that, you know, a lot of people like to call it the rock bottom, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not until we really rub up against some of those consequences. And we always see those things as just as negative, but you know, you have to have struggle. If you don't have struggle, struggle, you don't have success. Right. You know, you got to have that so that you can really build those muscles to really uh, elevate yourself mm-hmm. to the next yeah. next yeah. level. That's right. Absolutely. I tell you, um, another point that she mentions during this contemplate change is identifying a target behavior. Mm-hmm. So forth. Uh, she notes uh, to clarify your thinking about the various behaviors, you might want to basically ask yourself some of the following questions. And some of those questions you might want to ask as far as what do I want? What's basically the ultimate goal when I change? What's the ultimate goal? Uh, second question is, which change is the greatest priority at this time? Third, third would be, is why is this important to me? And identifying that sp- specific behavior we'd like to change in contrast to the general problem, you know, we need to basically just, you know, who are we doing this for? Right. You know, is it for me? Yeah. Or is it mm-hmm. for my parents? Is right. it for my girlfriend? Right. You know, yep. so like that. So, you know, the, uh, and also the priority, because the big thing is like that target behavior, they say pretty much, you know, when people try to change too much, mm. they kind of set themselves up for failure. Right. And so that's why I think she kind of mentions that target behavior. Absolutely. So go ahead and yeah. Jump well, in there. And I really like what you're saying there about this where where's that motivation who am i wanting to do this change for is this for mom mm-hmm. you know is it for your boyfriend or girlfriend there and it really if you're going off that gauge i like how you're saying that you're you're setting yourself up for failure because what happens is if i do that for them if i take that element away that hey they're no longer there or they're not supporting me then i'm i'm back into the same route here of hey i'm back in the same position that i'm at mm-hmm. but it's not until i really have to say okay this is for me I'm willing to do the commitment, and when I do, then I'm going to start seeing some benefits from this. Right. I'm going right. to start seeing those things really elevate myself yeah. there. That that point that you brought up there about the um, uh, really having a more targeted goal, mm-hmm. that's what we see a lot of times when people want to make changes in their life. They, they look at it on a macro level, and they try to tra- change everything at once. They're just going to have this, you know, they call it turning over a new leaf. Or And what happens is is that because change is so hard their efforts are diffused out over a lot of different things and so therefore their success rate plummets Mm -hmm. so what we really encourage people to do is to um, set specific goals and we uh, i like to use uh, smart goals s-m-a-r-t and that means that when you're saying what needs to change okay set a specific goal and it needs to be specific. Instead of saying, um, I'm going to uh, exercise more, that's very general. But if you say, I'm going to walk two miles every day, that is specific. And then you have to make it measurable. Mm-hmm. Uh, measurable is that that's the, I'm going to measure it by time. I'm going to measure it by distance. I'm going to measure it by amounts. But some way, I've got to have a way of measuring my progress to see that, you know, how am I doing in this change? Uh, and then you need to make it attainable. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. If you set goals that aren't attainable, that are sky high, and uh, then what happens is you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, and then you want to make them relevant. Set goals that are most relevant to you, to what you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't buy into your goals, then you're probably just going to stay in that contemplative stage. Uh, and then lastly, the T stands for making it time limited. Set a time to look back and say, all right, how am I doing? 
Uh, so that really is, if you're going to contemplate your goals, you need to set them and make them make them smart goals. Right, like that. I think you kind of read into the preparation phase. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All but right. anyway, we'll go ahead yeah, and touch yeah. back on that. But anyway, yes. those are great points. Okay. Um, as far as um, back to the target behavior, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as, you know, again, as far as learning about that target behavior, you know, there's going to be obstacles, mm-hmm. you know, in that behavior. And it's pretty much we need to learn everything we can, both positive and negative, about that target behavior right. like that. And if we know that, it also noting the barriers that could come up above or come uh, that could actually prevent us from actually reaching that. She said that's pretty important also. Um, another point she says is also assess our motivation and readiness to change. Mm-hmm. So... Good. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that you bring a point. I'm just trying to think of just kind of a recap, nutshell kind of thing here. You know, you're looking in the first stage here. We said pre-contemplation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just trying to build an awareness. You know, it's not even on the radar right. to be even thinking. And then you start moving into where this event happens, where this light bulb starts coming on, and things start getting chaotic because we're down here in this valley here trying to figure it out. We move into that contemplation stage. It, it's a whirlwind back and forth here trying to figure out what is the commitment that I really am. And I'm hitting consequences. I'm hitting these things that are going to say, hey, this is really enough. And it's not until we can really rub up against that because you got you to do a lot of evaluation there. Is this ready better for me? Because if not, I'm still stuck down here, and I don't like mm-hmm. it down here. You know, I, I, I got to do something here that's going to give me some change. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's like that yeah. as far as, you know, like you mentioned earlier, as far as, you know, what are the consequences if I don't change? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And, you know, that's that pros and cons. If I stay status quo, you know, where am I going to be headed? you know, down the road a month or two months. And you can see that that prodigal son, you know, do I like eating with pigs? (laughs) (laughs) If he eats at all. Yeah. 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 And how long does that, how long can I stomach that? How long can I really truly go to where I really have to say, you know what? I had it so much better that you you can even see the benefits of from others. You know, we can see it from people around us. Look how much better they are doing. What, what, what's that's benefit them. And some of those variables come into impact there too. So it's not just the fact that we're just getting consequences. We're also getting some good positive reinforcement here from other people, uh, people around us of seeing, okay, well, somebody else is doing this and it's working for them. Why wouldn't I, you know, want to do, you know, do those same things. Exactly. I tell you, and Mike, you mentioned your chiropractor Mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, But also they, she kind of recommends as far as, you know, if you're not going to be honest with yourself, maybe you should talk to your provider Yes. medical doctor and say yeah. hey listen can you kind of instruct me or educate me on the right. risk of my, or give me an assessment of my risk you know as Factors. far as that goes you know i'm really Absolutely. glad you brought that up Stephen, because you know really am <laughs> because what's really great about that is i'll tell you this is where virginia satir says in that chaos effect where we really going down in that valley mm-hmm. this is where primarily us as counselors we see people come yes. in that's this true. is where people come in and yep. they say, hey, you know what? I've tried every which way that mm-hmm. I can and what I'm doing, it's not working. And I need someone who can be objective because I'm too close to the picture. All I see mm-hmm. is a speck and I need somebody to help back me up here a little bit so I can see a, a better picture of what I need to do. Right. Yes. Yeah. There, you know, people get so you talked about time and how there's no time in these stages. One of the things that keeps people in the contemplation stage longer is a as really a reduced self-efficacy. They don't feel good about themselves. They might struggle and say, "But I can't." Uh, yes, I, I really I know I probably ought to change this. I know I probably ought to stop doing this because it's hurting me. But they feel like I can't, and that lack of self-efficacy is really gets them stuck in that contemplative stage. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't feel, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's almost like a, a, a balance that some on one side is yourself, what you have, your resources, your abilities, what you can do. And then on the other side is the problem that you're facing that needs to change. If you think that that problem is greater than you are, then you're going to be stuck in the contemplative stage. You're going to say, I know I want to, I just can't. And I think this is where I think that spiritual peace comes in so strong Mm -hmm. because the Apostle Paul said, greater is he that is within me 
than he that is within the world. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so when you start realizing that you're not alone in this battle, that you have at your disposal spiritual resources that can rise and pull your efforts up, then your self-efficacy is not based just on yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you are able to then um, feel like, you know what, I, I think me and God together mm -hmm. might be able to whip this. Right. We might be able to do this. Now you're looking at being able to possibly move out of that contemplative right. stage. I'd say that's where I feel as believers, it's like that we have an advantage yeah, like that absolutely. as far as change goes, because yeah. change basically from the Bible basically means repentance. Yeah. It's like that. So yeah. that's a 180 degree turn. Absolutely. But a lot of times, you know, we can't do it on our own power right. or willpower, but we can ask, you know, ask prayer. Right. You know, then we have, you know, God's help and so forth. Yeah. I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and take a break and thank our sponsors. So when we come back, we'll go ahead and finish up on the uh, contemplative stage with um, Michael Moore and Stephen Givens. Sowing in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 1030 a.m. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. Soaring in Health and Wellness is also brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineercairo.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswayministries.org and select Patron Page in the top menu bar. Well, welcome back to Soaring in Health and Wellness. Uh, our guests today are Stephen Gibbons and Michael Moore from the... Um, Counseling and Wellness Center, which basically are located out of Parkersburg and Belpria. I have not had anything to eat so far, so I'm kind of like on low. So, but anyway, <laughs> so I'm kind of like have people here to help me through this. Mm. But anyway, uh, before our break, we were basically talking about, or Mike was talking about, as far as self-efficacy. And so Mike's going to kind of continue, and also Steve will jump in as far as how someone can actually develop self-efficacy and actually what self-efficacy is. So, Mike, if you go ahead. Yeah, self-efficacy is this idea that um, how much you feel you are able. Uh, that, that's really what it boils down to is that um, efficacy is, the, is just a fancy word for able. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel that you are able to do something, you have a higher degree of self-efficacy. If you feel like if you hear yourself saying, I can't, um, I don't know how, I'm not able that that those are all signs that you have a lower self-efficacy. Uh, and so with low self-efficacy, the the chances of successfully changing go uh, they dro drop significantly. And when it comes to, you know, looking at Virginia Satir's model. So we've gone through the chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, we've picked the daisies. He loves me, loves me not. These kind of things of trying to figure out. This is going to that uh, coming up to that third stage and what she likes to call acceptance. You know, when you're talking about, I'd probably go right along there. Able, this would be another word for acceptance. You know, right. this acceptance really comes down to it. You know, how can I, I often will tell people, how can I like, love, or accept anybody if I don't even like, love, or accept myself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we how can we develop such change? And that really is, it, it is like a the kernel or this this core that really you have to really develop pretty well in order to, to build upon to get up to where you really want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's where that self-efficacy really well, comes into play. I tell you, mm -hmm. as far as someone who doesn't have high self-efficacy, you know, she had mentioned a couple of things that you may be able to do as far as maybe self-visualization mm -hmm. and also self-talk. So, Mike, Absolutely. Can you Visualization is, is wonderful because in self-visualization, you're able to, uh, it has different parts to it, but a lot of it is being able to see yourself. Every athlete does this. Mm. Every athlete, when they stand at the starting gate, they can close their eyes and they see themselves crossing the finish line. They see themselves succeeding. Uh, they, it's not something that is beyond their, they, otherwise they would stand at that starting line and say, what if I fall? What if I can't do this? 
What if the worst happens? Uh, mm -hmm. And those doubts will just war against your mind. So visualization is seeing yourself succeeding, seeing what your life is going to be after. Uh, notice the, your successes. You build on success, not failure. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the problems with trying to prepare yourself for change is we have a tendency to laundry list our failures. Mm -hmm. Oh, I tried this. It didn't work. Oh, the last time I did this, this is what happened. And once you laundry list your failures, you can't build on that. You have to look and find those times in your life where, hey, I did do this. Mm -hmm. Hey, there is that time that I accomplished this. And then visualize yourself accomplishing the next thing. Uh, you got to keep your eye on on that summit. I love the illustration that, um, uh, that Stephen has uh, about Mount Everest. I'll just let him. Yeah, I often will tell my my clients there. You know, Mount Everest is of course the highest point on this earth. Here, five and a half miles straight on up here to the top. Here, you know, and uh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do it. You know, if I see that thing, I, I'm not going to want to climb it. Who would? You know, and uh, but nobody just goes and climbs Mount Everest, and you can't climb it today. You just can't. There's no way that you'd be able to do that. And um, anybody, any good climber, when they're going through Mount Everest, they strategically have to put in placement. They have campsites that are designed up there. And even when you get up there closer to that summit, there are only certain times that you're allowed to be able to go because it's dangerous. I mean, mm -hmm. you start going out there, you're losing oxygen. Weather conditions are always changing. Yeah. And there's an old saying there that says, uh, the wind blows stronger closer to the summit. So when you mm -hmm. get up there closer, you're going to feel it. And mm -hmm. you're going to feel a whole lot. But man, when you get up there, the view is great yep mm -hmm. i tell you you know um as far as um you know we had talked at the break as far as mm -hmm. believers yes like that uh having an advantage that i feel one mm -hmm. who's accepted the lord as their personal savior so like that is drawing from his strength right because you know we talked before just during this program as, as far as uh, several weeks ago that difficult has changed yes and so it's you know when that self-talk comes it's that positive reinforcement there are plenty of scriptures in the Bible that talk about hope, that talk about strength, so like that, that give Absolutely. us encouragement. And um, so, again, I just don't know how people actually change. I mean, in, in your profession, you, you guys are basically counseling, providing services for clients that come in that are having difficult times. Yeah. So not to steer away from where we're at, but, you know, with what your service, because we really don't know too much about the counseling and wellness center. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of explain to us, not to beat off the path, but as mm -hmm. far as are you able to use your faith and God, because I know both of you are believers mm -hmm. and so forth, is when you when you talk to people or when you counsel people and so forth. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that I ask people whenever they first come in, um, in our initial evaluation, one of the que questions I ask is, um, what role do you see spirituality um, and faith playing in, um, in, in your progress in your life. Uh, what, you know, with, with what you're here for, what role do you see? And, and, uh, you, you, I'm always amazed at, at how, how receptive people are mm -hmm. because I've getting the answers to come back and say, Oh, very, very important. And once they, once they identify that, that that's important to them, uh, that really opens the door for me to be able to, uh, use that Avenue mm -hmm. and to share with them some of those, uh, those great resources that the scripture has to offer for them. And I'll say, you know, a lot of times, even with clients, the ones that, um, that we get to be able to share with, you know, cause it, when it comes down to it, it's a preference, you know, that mm -hmm. some people, they, they've got a bit of willingness open to man and we got that door open. It is neat to see, um, when you, when you pray with somebody, the relief mm -hmm. that they have at the end of my session, mm -hmm. you know, right. it is like, it is uplifting. It is powerful for them. And when they're walking out that door, it's like they got a little pep in their step here mm -hmm. to start their day. Mm -hmm. You know, they're ready to take on the things here because you're right. When we see clients, we see them at their most vulnerable places there. And, you know, a lot of times I, I do want to, you know, kind of go against the stigma a little bit here because, you know, when, when people hear, you know, people come to a counseling center, they think, well, they automatically got uh, Jack Nicholson, you know, mm -hmm. uh, wrapped up in, in uh, pillows <laughs> everywhere and everything. That's not it. You know, everybody needs a lending ear. And right. I'm talking about, you know, everywhere. I, lawyers, doctors, you know, your fellow co-workers there, even to the homeless. We, there's a broad range. Everybody. There's no stereotype here. Everybody needs a, someone to talk to sometimes. Absolutely. And that's what we try to be able to provide. Yes. I tell you what, 
I noticed, um, and that's one of the advantages of having my own uh, chiropractic practices. Um, you know, they tell you in school, you know, you don't want to talk about religion and you don't want to talk about politics. Oh, yeah. And I do both. <laughs> so, anyway, don't hold back. Yeah. Right there, yeah. But anyway, and, and there, there are times in my practice, in my office, a lot of times people come to my office for lower back pain, mid-back mm-hmm. pain, neck pain. But I tell you, but I have that freedom. And I can actually, and I try to be really sensitive to the patients who walk through my door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can tell if someone's having some lower back pain, which they usually are, but I know based on as far as if there's something deeper that's going on, you know, right. maybe some problems at home, yeah, right. emotional problems like that, whatever. But, uh, you know, if, if they allow or there's an opportunity, you know, I'm able to pray with my patients, which yes. I find that is totally great. It's one of the one of the few benefits that you have as far as owning your own yes. practice as yeah. well as you guys are co-owners. Absolutely. So, you, you know, so right. But anyway, well, and one of the example samples there that I really take when I'm thinking about how I can be able to uh, connect with somebody, even on that spiritual mm-hmm. and really be able to help them, even on the counseling level, my mind goes back to the story about the Samaritan woman there. Mm-hmm. You know, the Samaritan woman, this was a gal who, when Jesus goes to the well, he's, mm-hmm. he's talking to this lady and, uh, and she says, you know, you're, you're a Jew. I'm Samaritan. You, mm-hmm. We don't blend. We don't mm-hmm. matter, you know. And he doesn't say you need to do something or he doesn't try to force on her what needs to happen. He meets her at her level mm-hmm. where she's at. Right. You know, hey, you're right when you say you're not married. <laughs> In fact, you've been married five, four times. You're on the fifth one here y'all, with that. And so he meets her right where, and by doing that, well, you have a lot more influence, you know, of mm-hmm. helping a person really get where they where we want them to go or help to go too, because it's hard to be able to swallow when it comes to this process of change. Change is hard, yeah, isn't right. it? You know, right. and so and he and he offered her a chance to get what she was there. They were there at a well, yeah. and he talked to her about living water. Mm-hmm. So therefore, uh, you know, wherever a person is in the on the on the model of change, everybody is looking for something. Uh, and I think if you're going to help a person change and, and if you're looking in, in your own life and you're thinking I, I, that you may need to change, what is it you're looking for? Because you have to identify what you're looking for before you know what changes need mm-hmm. to happen in your life. Right. If you're looking for better health, um, all right, so let's, let's think about what that mm-hmm. would be. Right. What's that going to look like? And a lot of people are really, we're really quick, I think, as human beings, is that especially when we've conquered mountains, yeah, we're pretty proud about that. You know, if I <laughs> took down Mount Everest, I'd be pretty proud too, you know, <laughs> doing that. And But when we conquer these mountains, we have a, we have a knowledge base there. Mm-hmm. And we're really good about, we really wanted to let people know our knowledge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we see someone struggling, our first uh, reaction is, is let me tell you how you need to handle this or take on <laughs> those things there, right. you know? And it, it really, it, it, it kind of deflates the wind out of the sails of being mm-hmm. Sometimes there's, there's, there's a need to hear that knowledge, mm-hmm. right. but really it's, it's about being able to get that influence. And just like Jesus, I mean, here's a creator of the universe, mm-hmm. you know, and he comes down in, in the form here of a, a lowly human being there just to be able to meet us where we're at. How powerful yeah. is that? Right. right. I tell you, I really think that kind of goes into as far as our next, as far as cultivating um, an internal locus of control, things yeah. like that. And uh, if you all can kind of explain to the listeners as far as what's the difference between internal and external locus of control, and then I'll go ahead and also kind of elaborate mm-hmm. if it's possible for someone to have both. Yeah. And I'll finish up on a study, and then we'll go to the next phase. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, you know, I'll talk about teaching or uh, doing an anger management group at the juvenile center. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I do with my group members in showing them about internal and external locus of control is I'll say, okay, let's imagine you're a, you're a basketball team. Okay. We're a basketball team mm-hmm. and we just lost a game and we're back in the, in the, uh, uh, we're back in the locker room and I say, all right, guys, we lost the game. What happened? And everybody starts going around and saying, you know, that's the worst ref I've ever seen. I'll tell you, he called – those calls were ridiculous. And we couldn't get a, a call all night on, on us. But, you know, here he was slamming us right and left. And I'll tell you what, if we'd had some better refing in this game, we'd have won it. <laughs> you know, and I say, that is an external locus of control. You're saying that you lost the game because – of bad refereeing. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the refereeing was great, but you're putting it out there and saying it's that's why. 
Whereas if you come back in the locker room and the coach says, guys, we lost the game. I know you're not happy about the refing, but let me tell you something. We missed nine out of ten free throws. We were at the free throw line nine out of ten times, and we, we missed it. And, and we, were, we were 20% on rebounds. Mm-hmm. Now he's saying we lost the game. What needs to change is we can make a we can win next time, and and that is an internal locus controls takes responsibility for change. Mm-hmm. It says I'm the one that needs to change, not my boss, not my husband, not my wife, not my children. Mm-hmm. I need to change, wow. and that and that's freeing and it's empowering because that says if I have the power to change the outcome then that means that I can make things better in my life. Whereas if it's in, if it's all in the ref's hands, well, all we can do is cross our fingers and hope for a better ref next time. You know, <laughs> this always so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the same ref. So, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, so. I tell you what, Steve, did you want to add anything to that? Or? No, I, well, okay. I tell you what, that really sounds really great. So I'm just <laughs> yeah, going to let that one, yeah. I'm going to yeah. let that one stay. Yeah, yep. right. well, I tell great. you what, I want to, uh, we're close on that as far as there was a source by Steptoe and, Wardy, as far as locus of control and health behavior revisited, it was from the British Journal of Psychology. And it basically it's a study of over 8,000 college students in England indicated that locus of control surrounding health issues was one of the most powerful predictors of eventual behavior change. And of course, they say other studies focused on the importance of perceived behavior control have shown similar positive results. But just to emphasize that that internal locus of control is powerful yes. when wanting to change. It really so is. And it, and it really, what it, what it brings us up to is a mirror. You know, it really lets us take a look in the mirror about ourselves, about um, maybe those really deep things. And really, a lot of times that goes into our thoughts. And, you know, it makes me think about the self-talk that we've, we're, you know, we're looking at here as well. Um, I often will tell people, if, if I had... Um, if I if I put a, a tape recorder and I said to myself, Stephen, you're a dum dum, you mm-hmm. know, and boy, I just let that thing play over and over mm-hmm. again in my head, you know, eventually I get to a point where I start thinking, yeah, I, that that sounds about right, and mm-hmm. if I, that's all I do, then my actions automatically will will, will uh, it'll go around that there, I, you know, I won't be making those free throws. We won't, you know, mm-hmm. I, it don't matter what ref it is and stuff right. here because I already believe that. And I, that's where I'm um, automatically going to go. Now, I, often what we need to do is we got to change that uh, tape cassette. I'm saying this, and these kids probably listen to the podcast. What's a tape cassette? Mm-hmm. There, I feel, you know, oh my goodness. All right, so you know, we got to change. We got to change this tape cassette. We got to put this back in. If I said, Stephen, and you're you're awesome. You're the best. You can do it. You know, mm-hmm. I start really putting in those things. I start talking there. Then I start creating a new belief here. I start creating that new internal locus here of control to be able to say, yep, I have the confidence there. I can be able to see how I can do this. And then when I have that, like Mike says, when I have that control there, there's a lot more benefits that I can get that than even the external. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to worry so much about what this ref's going to do or do because, man, if I have that, I'm going to be a lot more effective. Wow. But, you know, when it comes to health, where I see a lot of external locus control is when people start talking about their, uh, the things they have inherited genetically. Mm -hmm. Um, some people will say, Oh, well, yeah, I struggle with this because, you know, my, my family struggled with it or I inherited this. And, and it's true. Um, genetics play a part of health. We know that. However, if we stop there, then we have, in a sense, we, we have, uh, we're stuck. Mm-hmm. We can't then facilitate change because we're just destined to run in this, this groove of genetic predisposition. Whereas if we look and say, okay, yeah, I might have inherited some genes that talk about, you know, that, that maybe for uh, weight, Maybe it's like, okay, I've inherited genes that, you know, I, that my, my mom was heavy, my dad was heavy, and that's why I'm heavy. Well, that leaves out the whole internal locus of control that says, but what can we do to be able to manage our weight better? Can, can we can't count calories? Can mm-hmm. we exercise? Can we 
um, join a support group of other people who are like-minded? Can we? Those are all things that you can do with an internal locus of control. Right. But if you've already chalked it up to say, I am the way that I am because that's the way I am, right. then you are stuck. You're uh, limiting yourself. Yeah, you right. really have. Well, you know, it's, it's something that you said because on our previous shows we had talked about, um, actually, um, Dr. Huber had mentioned there was basically four uh, basically factors that contribute to health and disease. And one was uh, a small percentage, 8%, I guess, was more or less related to health care. Yes. Um, the second was more 20% related to more environmental. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to blame the environment. Right. You know, third was basically what you just said, our, our genetics, our biology makeup. Yep. But the thing is, 50, over 50% was lifestyle yes. behaviors. And that's why, again, changing our lifestyle behaviors is so important, you know. Absolutely. And, we, you know, you can't blame, I mean, you can blame 20% of your, <laughs> right. well, you know, on the other things. But right. the big majority, and there were some sixes as far as, um, other things as far as uh, behaviors and that's where disease in the health field is pretty much going to chronic degenerative changes mm-hmm. i mean diseases it's it's going to cardiovascular disease it's going to you know cancer and those are all degenerative and those are all basically a lot of times lifestyle choices you know they're not mm-hmm. the infectious diseases that we our, our forefathers and our grandparents had but it's basically the way we live is basically as far as that goes Absolutely. Um, what i like to do is um Basically, we're not going to go to step three as far as because mm-hmm. I want to f- want to finish up as far mm-hmm. as getting your thoughts. Okay, as far as you know, we we talked about the pre-contemplation and the contemplation, right? You know, and that's a lot for our listeners to kind of start thinking about. You know, maybe they were in the pre-contemplation. Now they're probably thinking, okay, what can we do? Okay, but you know, again, a lot of things that we hear it's like that kind of go in one ear out the other and they don't really retain less. They're, they're probably not taking notes because they're listening to it on a podcast, either right. on a bicycle or driving home. So if there's one thing or a couple things that you, Stephen, and then Michael, mm-hmm. to can tell our listeners, hey, listen, you know, what can they start doing today to help move them forward in this health and wellness that they're trying to attain? So uh, to kind of, and I, I think you're saying, Stephen, moving into that third phase there, that prepping, is that right? We're not going in there today. Uh, we're not going to today because oh, okay. I, I don't want to have to. I don't want to go through it so quickly. It's like okay, that, just because of time. It's like that. Okay. So Thank we're going to save that for the so next. How to motivate? You're saying right. just here. Okay. Just Thank in you. the pre-contemplation, contemplation. What can they start doing as far as? You know, um, and I'm going to go back at least to that visualization a little bit there. You know, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on the prize there. You know, um, one of the things that. I, I often will say here is, you know, I've, in my life, I've always had my mountaintops and I've always had my valleys. I couldn't appreciate my mountaintops if I didn't have my valleys. Wow. Because in those valleys is where I learned most. Mm-hmm. And if we stay in our valleys, that's where we get our trouble. Because if I stay there, then it really starts to poison my mind to thinking that there's no light. But, you know, uh, Jesus tells us he's the light, right? Mm -hmm. We have encouragement and we have a lot more to be living for here. And so whenever I can be able to say, hey, you know what? I remember what my last summit looked like and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. And my next summit is going to be even greater. Wow. And when I can really recognize that, hey, right now it's hard and I Mm -hmm. get it. You know, and it's tough being in this valley, but what will hurt us me now will benefit me later. And when I am up on that summit again, boy, the view is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow, well, that's great. I mean, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Um, you know, when I think about in these two stages, uh, for anyone who might be um, either in the pre-contemplation or even the contemplation stage, one of the things that I try to use in my practice is I'll, I'll use what's called the, the magic wand question. Mm-hmm. And that is if you had a, a magic wand and you could just wave that magic wand and something changed in your life, something was different than the way that it is now, what, what would it be? What, what would be different? Because that really, if you ask yourself that question, it really brings you and hones you into an awareness of what in your life needs to change. And if you can answer that question, now you have a target. And I would encourage you to to realize is that now I want you to just spend some time and really think about what your life is like 
without that problem, without that. It may be that you, you know, you want to have, um, you want to have a weight loss. What's it going to be like when, when that weight is off? Or maybe you want to have, um, you want to breathe better and you're having trouble breathing and you know, it's hard for you to, to, uh, to go outside and walk because you're, you're short of breath. What would it be like when you can do that again? So whatever it is in your life, if you're having pain, if you're think about what you're going to do in your life when that problem is gone uh, and now you have that motivation, you do have that motivation to try to do that. All right. I tell you what, that's, I, you know, I, I just, I get so excited because I learned so much from doing these podcasts. And I tell you mm-hmm. what, and, um, I've been blessed it's like that to have guests that are so qualified and um, that the Lord just kind of brings in your path. And I really had no idea that uh, Michael or, or Stephen, I didn't even know who Michael or Stephen were until probably maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago from a friend of ours it's like that and said, you know, you need to have these two on your show. And I thought, all right, I'm going to take your word. All right, I'm going to hold Blind. you responsible for whatever faith. happens. Right. But anyway, and so um, I tell you what, um, I just want to thank the Lord for for just bringing Michael and, and Stevens like that into my path mm. and allowing you to make a huge difference in people's lives today and in the future and so forth. And so our God is faithful yes. like that. And, um, and I just I thank him and so forth. And uh, before... Before we close, I really would find it's, you know, the Lord's kind of basically putting in my spirit, in my heart, that there are people out there that are on that fence. You know, there are people who have gone through their struggles. They've gone through their failures and failure, and, 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 and Satan is just coming after them and beating them down. You know what? You tried this before. And Michael, I think you, you mentioned this, you know, as far as all that self-doubt, all that, you can't do this, you're not strong enough, right. you can't, you failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. But I really feel that we need to pray for those people that are on that fence, that are that in that pre-contemplation stage, in that contemplation, and to pray that they actually move forward mm-hmm. and that God can give them the strength, yeah. you know, and, and, they, and they need help. Right. If they need help in that field, then maybe they can contact you know, the Counseling and Wellness Center to kind of help advance to the next stage within because of the action stage like that. They may need some professional counseling, a little bit more in depth than what you can provide for them on a podcast. Say, hey, listen, you know what? We can help you move forward. So before we leave and before we go off, I want you to give them your information as far Mm -hmm. as contact information of your Counseling Wellness Center, both Mm -hmm. in Parkersburg, West Virginia, also in Belpre. If there's a website that they can go on, if there's a phone number they can contact, and so forth. And then once you give that, if we can go ahead and have either you, mm-hmm. Michael, or Stephen, or both of you pray yeah. for our listeners before we um, we close out today, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be great. great. Well, if um, um, let me go ahead and give the information yeah. there. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I'll do the Parkersburg one. So um, the Parkersburg one, we are located off Market Street. It's 936 in Market Street. You can contact us. Our phone number there is 304-422-7300. Again, that's 304-422-7300. You can make an appointment any old time. We'd be glad to have you. Our, our staff is warm and welcoming, ready to be able to get you in with somebody. And they're really good about when they take you in and they hear your concern, we're going to match you up here with somebody that we hope that we're going to get you to click very, very well with and help uh, get you where you need to go. And uh, you can also go on our website. It is www.counselingandwellness, all one word, .com. And you can be able to see a list of our um, professionals uh, on there. You'll have them, some bios, some feedback and kind of just give you some synopsis of kind of different treatments that we have available Mm -hmm. there uh, and how we uh, go both medical and therapeutic to help out there too. And then the the Belpre office is located on 225 Main Street in Belpre, Ohio. The uh, number is 740-401-4033, isn't it? Uh, 401 3088. 3088. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and, um, and our um, website is www.ohiocounselingandwellness.com. Okay. All right. 
Well, this time I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer for our listeners, and then Mike will finish up here with, with us. Father, want to come before you and your throne and just thank you for humbling us. And Father, I want to thank you for our valleys. Thank you for um, giving us struggles. And Father, thank you for um, disciplining us so that we can know better and we can be better. And Father, uh, let us never take our eyes off of you. Let us never uh, be able to not see the summit. And Father, uh, I say a special prayer to that listener out there right now who is just contemplating and going through that whirlwind. Uh, really thinking about change, but really trying to um, put the light bulb on and find the commitment to do so. And Father, I, I ask that you will give them a peace of mind, a peace of heart, and an acceptance of that change so that they can uh, work to uh, be to better themselves, Father, for you. And we give you the glory, honor, and praise. And Father, we we ask that as, as that person reaches for help, that they will reach to you. Uh, that we know that you have promised that you will be there for us if we will call out on your name. And, Lord, we ask that they will find the strength that they need, um, both within the power that you have given them and the power that you provide them uh, through your immeasurable strength. And, Lord, we pray that, um, that change can and will happen in the lives of people who need it. Lord, we all are on a progress, and all of us are on a journey, and all of us will need change in our life. Lord, help us to not resist the change that needs to happen. Help us to be honest with ourselves and with you, and be able to um, embrace the power that comes from helping you become better versions of ourselves every day. For we know that you have our best interest in mind. And you're constantly guiding us toward glory. And these things we pray through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, I tell you what, I want to thank our listeners for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness. Until next time, keep advancing towards optimal health and wellness. Thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells and his guest. We would like to thank our sponsors, Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. We would also like to thank Mountaineer Chiropractic. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go to the web at eagleswaysministries.org and select a patron page in the top menu bar. If you or your business or church would like Dr. Steve Wells to speak at your church, special event, or conference, please go online to eaglewaysministries.org and select contact on the menu bar or send an email to eaglewayministries at gmail.com or call 304-485-6589. Until next time, think of Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.